The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. How about we heat things up tonight? Mm, how so? Get a little fresh, add some steam, sizzle, and spice. <laughs> Wait, you're talking about going to Outback again, aren't you? Fire things up at Outback Steakhouse. For a limited time, try our Bloomin' Fried Shrimp. Or get fresh with our new strawberry salad. Go big with our bone-in ribeye. Or the filet and grilled shrimp on the barbie. Then cool off with a cucumber crush or peanut koala. Try them all before they're gone. Let's Outback. Hello, welcome to the world's greatest Bronze Age comic book podcast, Flea Market Fantasy. I'm your co-host, Mike Allen, as always, I'm joined by... Michael Dell of the LCS Hockey Radio Show. That's right. This week is a special one, Mike Dell. This one goes right back to my childhood. Can I tell everybody what we're reviewing? It would be helpful, yes. Sure. Fantastic Four, number 312, by Steve Englehart and Keith Pollard. And this is from 1988. Yes. And, uh, Mike, we've done the Fantastic Four. We've done three-ish. This is the third issue of Fantastic Four now we've done. Whoa, okay. Plus, we also had uh, Fantastic Four, I think, was in that Inhumans issue we did. Probably, yeah. Like and they were a backup story in that Captain Britain we did. So, they're getting up there. Yeah. In terms of most picks. Of course, you still have Batman and Superman way up ahead. Of Fantastic course. Four. That's so why best. are we going back to Fantastic Four, Mike? You told me you have a personal story about Yes. So everyone out there knows that I have a lot of comic books, okay? But when I was, let's see, so going back to 2005-ish, I, I had a lot of comic books, but I did not have as many as I have now. And what I did was I was, uh, you know, I was going through a phase and I decided I wanted to declutter. And so I'm like, well, I'm going to sell a bunch of my comics. But before I do that, I'm going to read them all one more time, then get rid of them, right? But it had the reverse effect, okay? Because what ended up happening was I ended up reading, for example, you know, certain comics that made me want to buy more comics like Amazing, or sorry, Spider-Girl, right? I'd read an issue of Spider-Girl and decide that I had to get every issue of Spider-Girl. I'd read an issue of whatever, Crystar, and realize I had to get every issue of Crystar. <laughs> However, this is the one that really set me off because this comic made me suddenly realize I loved Steve Englehart. And then because I, of that... I, it's shocking to me. Because of that, <laughs> I had to go out and buy... Okay, are you listening, Mike Dell? Uh, Every yeah. single comic Steve Englehart ever wrote. Wow. And not only did I buy them all, <laughs> I didn't read them until last year. <laughs> no, I read some of them. I read some of them. But you I know, spoiler alert here, Mike Dell, but... Uh... If I read this book in that same situation, I would have started burning every comic book I ever saw. <laughs> I'll get to that later. I'll just say <laughs> that in 2005, I read this comic and it made me want to buy every <laughs> Steve Englehart comic, and I did. Were, okay? were you on prescription narcotics <laughs> at the time? Were you, were you having some problems at home? How could you read this and think, oh my God, this is good? I can also say, here's the thing. I'm not going to say that I, whether I liked it or didn't, but... 
<laughs> I will say that I still like this era of Fantastic Four more than the John uh, Byrne era. Okay. Believe you just say that. John Byrne. Yeah, John Byrne. <laughs> okay. But anyway. So yeah. Uh, so but to to conclude my story, because of this comic, I went cra- I literally went insane. I bought I don't like using literally incorrectly, but I bought every Steve Englehart comic. Then I went, <laughs> well, I, I think lo- it's pretty clear you oh, did go literally insane if this did. inspired maybe I did. you. And then I was like, well, I also like Steve Gerber, so I got to buy every Steve Gerber comic. I got to buy every Jerry Conway comic. I got to buy every Ben whatever. Oda comic. Ben Oda, yeah, Frank Cermonte comic. I went crazy, and I I upped my collection to about ten thousand comics before I woke up one day and realized I was, you know, making a mistake. And then I started to sell them again. So yeah. So I'm back in that phase. I'm decluttering. I'm decompressing. You know, whatever they want to, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. And so now to celebrate, I decided to reread this comic before I sell it. I am like shocked to hear that story. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's good. It inspired you to get you know more comics, so that's good. But there was a 15 year you know mistake yeah. in the middle there. <laughs> <laughs> I can't understand how you're reading this. Was like, oh, this is awesome. This is. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. So, all right. Uh, yeah, Fantastic Four, issue 312. And uh, you mentioned uh, Steve Englehart is the writer. The artist here is Keith Pollard. Yes. And we'll talk about him here in a minute. Um, the other big thing here is this isn't the traditional Fantastic Four team we're dealing with. Yes. This is uh, the thing Johnny Storm, or Human Torch, along with Crystal from the Inhumans and Ms. Marvel. And to be specific, this is, I think, the second Ms. Marvel, right? There's a lot of Ms. Marvels in the world. Yeah. There's a lot of Ms. Marvels in the world. Uh, yeah, this uh, this Ms. Marvel we're dealing with here today, her name is Sharon Ventura. And her first appearance was in The Thing, issue 27, 1985. She was created by Mike Carlin and Ron Wilson. Did you ever read The Thing? Uh, yeah, a few issues. Yep, it's pretty good. Because I guess at some point, the thing got involved with Unlimited Class Wrestling Federation. That's right. The UCWF. <clears throat> I knew about and, that, uh, yep. So Sharon Ventura was one of the... Re- what was he doing there? Was he like just a uh, promoter? I don't, I don't <laughs> know. He, I think he wrestled. I don't, I don't really remember those stories, but right. I, I've read a couple of those, you know, thing comics and they were fine. Yeah, so uh, he got uh, involved with them, and but I guess this Unlimited Class Wrestling Federation. There's some shenanigans going on backstage, Michael. Oh, okay. Because uh, some person named the Power Broker, who I had no idea this person existed until I started watching those Marvel shows. They okay. The Power Broker. You know, the Captain America. and the, Sure. You know, the, the Winter Soldier and uh, Falcon. and. Uh, okay. Well, he was in that? I didn't even know that. Well, they, they kind of hint that Sharon Tate is the Power Broker. Gotcha. Right. I remember, remember that now. That? Okay. So anyway, this power broker fella, he started giving these uh, female wrestlers augmented strength. Mm. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> I guess there was like promotional war between like WCW and WWE. Ah. And uh, so they were competing and uh, they, that, that spawned a uh, group of evil female wrestlers known as the Grapplers. Mm. Interesting. They're very good. I think I think one of their names is Pound Cake. I sure. think I remember Pound Cake. <laughs> yeah, Pound Cake. Anyway. Uh, so anyway, uh, so Sharon Ventura and a thing, I guess, helped bring down the power broker and these evil female wrestlers. And then she joined the Fantastic Four. 
But then right before this issue we're reading here today, she got mutated by cosmic radiation. Yes. Her cosmic and the thing. Rings. Yep. So the thing became like a pineapple thing. Yep. All spiky. And uh, she turned into like a uh, lady thing. People right. call her she thing. Right, right. Right? Isn't that uh, her nickname? Yeah, nickname. She thing. Yeah, it's not her official name. But right. uh, the fans call her she thing. So uh, then she later on, she uh, sacrificed, uh, or the thing sacrificed himself kind of to get her back to her human form somehow. Do you know that story? You know, I read it years ago. I don't remember what happened, though. I guess there's a way for one of them to get back to their human. So he gave it to her Ah. and she turned back. So then she became obsessed with trying to find a way to get the thing back to his human form to repay him. But in Mm. order to do that, Michael, she had to go work for Dr. Doom. Ooh. And he made her like a double agent. Mm. She was spying on the FF for Doom. Okay. And then at the end, Doom eventually uh, tricked her and turned her back into a monster. So really? So she's the thi- so now she's a thing again. Uh well, then I think she turned back to human somehow too along the way. Mm, but, okay. Uh, yeah. But yeah, hmm. so she kind of looks like a thing, orange, but she wasn't she doesn't have a, like defined as uh such defined rocks. Well, she's I She's kind of just like an orange blob kinda. Yeah, she looks more like the early thing, right? From the 60s. That's, yeah. I think that's the idea. Yeah. So uh yeah, that's the Ms. Marvel we're dealing with. Now, how many Miss Marvels are there, Michael? There's uh, Carol Danvers. There's Carol There's Danvers. Yeah. I'm looking at it right now, actually. There is Cheryl Ventura or Sharon Ventura. There's Carla Sofen, who I never heard of until today. Yeah, I don't know who that is. And then there's Kamala Khan. So there's four. Yeah, the new one, the Ms. Marvel, the, right? The, the girl with the can stretch, right? And whatnot. Uh, also, Michael, I should point out this Miss Marvel. Her name's Sharon Ventura. Clearly, that Ventura comes from Jesse the Body Ventura, right? I would guess, yeah. Yeah, it would have to be. Lady wrestler and all. Yep, and she so, has really long legs. That's the one thing I noticed about her. <laughs> all right, calm down, Michael. Calm Whoa, down. all right. <laughs> uh, but getting back to this Fantastic Four team, this is clearly the worst Fantastic Four team, right? It's my favorite, but yeah, go ahead. <laughs> what? No, it's not my favorite, <laughs> but this is the era... When I was getting into comics, this was the FF, so I have a special affection for it, you know? But it's just, visually, it's unappealing, because you have these two orange rock creatures, and you have the fantastic uh, Johnny Storm there, and you have Crystal. So it kind of, like, it's unbalanced. Well, okay, I I agree with the two things, but what if you go back a couple issues, and it was just two women and two guys? That's kind of cool, right? Having Crystal and Ms. Marvel, I think that's fun. Yeah, that's fine. But having the two orange rock monsters, and then it's doesn't seem it seems weird yeah i'll give you that yeah and also she has a terrible costume as well yeah i guess if anything she should have got her own unique powers right i i don't know yeah (laughs) something to to visually make her not as i guess that's why they made him spiky but it still Mm -hmm. doesn't work because it's just two orange monsters but her outfit it's like so stupid it's like uh she has like a a a blue spandex kind of like wrestler outfit i guess but a big uh, Kind of like the McDonald's logo on her chest, but it's a white <laughs> M instead of a golden arches right. white M. It's pretty awful. Yeah, it's not great, yeah. But you had to cover up her uh, orange rock boobs. That's true. So, you can't have naked boobs, yeah. even if they're rocks, yeah. right? Nope. So, uh, <clears throat> okay, so the original Human Torch, uh, Johnny Storm, and you had uh, Reed Richards, uh, Sue Storm, and the thing. That's the original Fantastic Four. Right. And then the the next version of that was when Sue Storm got pregnant 
she's going to have a baby. So uh, they brought in Crystal to replace her. Right. Right? As a fill-in. Now, the next incarnation was when the Thing stayed behind in Secret Wars, because he was human. And he, remember, he wanted to have some yeah, time as his human self. So <clears throat> then uh, She-Hulk replaced him in the Fantastic. Right. But you're forgetting when Wyatt Wingfoot was a member. Oh, I did completely forget that, and I think yep. most people did. How long was he a member of the team? Not long. Not long. Right. But wait a minute. Wasn't there also a time where Power Man was a member? I'm looking it up right now. I'm pretty sure there was a time. Seems about right, but I don't know like when that fell in the continuity of things. Hmm. I'm looking it up right now. Crystal joined in FF81. Medusa joined in 132. Power oh. Man Luke Cage joined in FF168. Okay, so how did who was? I guess Medusa Crystal left, and Medusa took Crystal's spot. I'm guessing. Uh, she. Yeah, she. Okay, Medusa replaced Invisible Woman during a, a, a marital separation. What? They yeah. were separated. Yep. <laughs> Wait, I never knew that. Yep. So, uh, well, did she catch him uh, screwing around on the side? Is I, that Reed Richards? He's a tomcat. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't really know. I don't know. <laughs> um, I had no idea. There's marital strife yeah. between the Richardses. Oh, uh, see, Luke Cage joined. Remember when Thing lost his powers and he had that suit? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I, like I think that's Reed he... made him like a suit that yeah. looked exactly like the thing. Yeah, but he wasn't. I think it was around there that Luke Cage joined. <laughs> But he looked like the thing with a zipper. That's the only right. way you could tell him. All right, so Luke Cage came in, and then I guess Thing got his powers back, and he 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 said, "All right, Luke, you can go. Right. I got this." Uh, but then She Hulk came in there for a while, and then uh, I guess Thing came back. Right. And then, so why did Sue and Reed uh, leave in this time period? Because they wanted to focus on their family, like which is Franklin Richards, and that's it. Now, the reason behind the scenes is because Steve Englehart felt that it was more interesting to shake up the dynamic of the team and be a little bit more unpredictable. So that's why he did that. All right. And uh, they eventually would come back. And then for a while there, uh, Johnny Storm was dead. Remember he was dead? Johnny Storm? Uh, Yeah. In like, what, the 2000s? Yeah, but I think he was actually just in that negative zone or whatever. Oh, okay. Yeah. But everyone thought he was dead. So uh, they they disbanded the Fantastic Four, Michael, and they created the Freedom Foundation, right? No, oh, the future, future Foundation. The future Foundation. Yeah. <laughs> the Future Foundation. Uh, and they wore the white and black outfits. Right. And, uh, and then who came in then, Michael? Spider-Man. That's right, Spider-Man. Woo. That's kind of full circle because yeah, Spider-Man I mean, getting kicked out of the fan, like not being allowed to join the Fantastic Four. Right. Started them on a superhero journey. And then he True. And plus, Spider-Man needed, you know, the attention. He needed the exposure. So it made sense to put him in there, yeah, right? Yeah, because there's just not enough Spider-Man. Exactly. Got to have more Spider-Man. Um, so then uh, last week on the show, you informed me that there's also an incarnation of the Fantastic Four that featured the Hulk, Ghost Rider, Wolverine, yeah. and... Spider-Man. Spider-Man. Yep. That's terrible. For three issues, yeah. That was it. Yeah. But now, and, and then there was a time period there, Mike, where the Fantastic Four wasn't even being published, right? It was a brief time, yes, because Marvel did not own the movie rights, and they were so pissed off they couldn't get the movie rights back that they, to get back at 20th Century Fox, they canceled <laughs> FF, yes, show the well, movie boss. Yeah, because again, 
Marvel, hey, you're a comic book company. Let's make some fucking comic books, mm-hmm. you know, for the kids. Mm-hmm. But now they're like, no, nah, we're going to spite you. And, yep. Right. But then they brought them back. Mm-hmm. And how, how many terrible Fantastic Four movies have there been? At least three, right? Uh, three, four. Well, because technically there's the Roger Corman one. Oh, that's right. I forgot yeah. So then there's the, the one with um, Chris Evans as Human Torch. Then there's a sequel to that. Yeah. With Jessica Alba, that's yeah, Invisible Lady, and with Silver yeah. Surfer, and then there's Fanforstic, which is a piece of crap. Remember Fan that? Force? What was it? it it's Fan called Fantastic. Stick? It's called Fan Fantastic Four, but in the logo or the the font, they put the four as the wait as the O, I think, and so it reads as Fanta- Fanforstic. It's <laughs> All really right, I'll take your word stupid. For it. Yeah. I actually didn't mind that first the Fantastic Four with uh, Alba and Evans and uh, Michael Chiklis, right, is the thing. Yeah, I mean, yeah, when I go back and rewatch them, they're fine. They're okay. Yeah, I mean, it's not great, but it was perfectly entertaining. And right. I thought Evans was pretty good in there. Yep. And uh, he was funny. Uh, but then the second one was Silver Surfer. That was terrible. Pretty rough, yep. Galactus was a cloud. Oh, that was terrible, yep. And then uh, this, I tried to watch this most recent one, Fantastic Four sticker or whatever. Garbage. And uh, I, man, I lasted about 15 minutes. This is fucking awful. Yeah, it was horrible. Horrible. So, yeah. Yeah. But now they're back with Marvel now, right? Yes. And it could be argued that Disney bought Fox mainly to get X-Men, but also to get Fantastic Four, and then also to get everything else. But those were the main reasons, I think. So is there another movie in the works? Oh, 100%. Yes. Any, like leaked actors or anything no 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 they haven't gotten that far because they still have to get through phase four or five or whatever it is before they can start the next phase i've said this before on the show and i'll keep saying it but they have to do a show they have to do a fantastic four movie in the 50s you have to set it in the 50s yeah yeah early 60s but before the moon landing yeah i agree with that yeah Yeah. they won't yeah Yeah, well it's just like ant-man i mean i i I, the ant-man movies are fine but it screws everything up by not introducing Hank Pym first, but then introducing him as a 70-year-old Mike Douglas or Michael Douglas, right? It just yeah. screws everything up. Anyway. Yeah, well, there's a lot screwed up in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. This is you really true. want to get down to it. Yeah. But, uh, all right, so there's your catch-up on the Fantastic Four and all the versions of the team. Uh, we've done Steve Englehart on the show many times. Yes, but I want to make a quick addendum at the proper okay. term. So sure. I, uh, Steve Englehart has a website. You can go to it. I think it's just steveenglehart.com, but he goes through every comic he ever wrote and gives like a little backstory, right? To what was oh, going okay. on. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. It's Cause he's, cool. he's written hundreds and hundreds of thousands of, yeah. <laughs> how many books has he read? No, no, he doesn't go, he goes series by series. Put it that okay. way. Okay. Uh, okay. I thought you were talking issue by issue. No, like, no. Oh, series series by series. This guy's got a memory yeah. on him. Right. But uh, one of the things he talks about is basically partway through his run on FF. I think it was around 321. This would have been the time that Marvel got bought by new people, right? Because I think they went from, you know, being sort of privately owned to going public, then getting owned by New Line or whatever. But they... By, by the way, Michael, let me just cut you here. Uh, do you know when... I forgot to look up when Engelhart started on Fantastic Four. Like, how early in his like, run was this? Well, it was like 305, around there. Okay. So this is 312, 12. yeah. Okay. So um, partway through, they basically, in his words, Marvel decided to stop being innovative and just be safe, right? And just not take chances. And so there are people that see a change in the quality of Marvel Comics from around the time 
uh, Jim Shooter left to when Tom DeFalco took over. Uh, maybe it was a little bit later, a year or two later. But in his case, um, the storylines that he had planned were rejected. And they basically asked him to return Reed and Sue to the team and to make everything yeah. go back to normal. And so he took his name off the book and started calling it um, SFX Engelhart. And then a, a, a few months later, he changed his credit to John Harkness because... It got it basically got worse and worse and worse. And so it's kinda of like the Alan Smithy of you know, comic books credits. Is it Agatha Harkness, the old witch? It's probably uh, a play on that, yeah. But anyway. So John Harkness. At this that. point though, he was happy. So Hey got news for you there, Steve Englehart. I would have made you bring back Sue and uh, Reed as well. Ooh, all right. I mean, come on. Fantastic four. Whatever you say. You want things to be safe and stale. That's Mike Dell's MO. <laughs> yes, that's my motto. Uh-huh. Safe and stale. Uh, all right, so Keith Pollard, uh, he was born in 1950, originally from the Detroit area, Michael. That's right. I've met him. He's really nice. Ah, nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, he started out showing his stuff at conventions, and I guess he tells a story where uh, he was critiqued by uh, separately by Jim Steranko and Neil Adams at a convention, and Steranko really bolstered him up, made him feel good. And then Neil Adams just tore him down. Ooh, yikes. Okay. <laughs> but he's, you know, that's how he started. And then he met a fellow Detroit artist named Arville Jones. Right. Nice guy. Uh, you met this guy as well? Many times. We were going to work together, but it didn't happen. What? But yeah. He, he was, uh, I, I don't want to, I shouldn't really get into this, but at one point he was going to put the comic book syndicate on this TV station that he worked for. Nice. But it just didn't happen. Yeah. And then he saw it and he's like, oh, well, no. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> not doing that at all. But anyway, uh, for those who don't know Orville Jones, he was also a comic book creator and whatnot. And he, uh, he co-created Misty Knight when he was working at Marvel. How about that? Cool. Very cool. But so anyway, uh, our buddy Keith Pollard uh, got with Orville Jones. There's two uh, D- Detroit fellas coming up in the world. And uh, Orville Jones had a fanzine that he was publishing. So he got Pollard to contribute to the fanzine. And through working on that fanzine, they started making more and more connections. They eventually met some people at Marvel, and uh, they both got hired at Marvel in 1974. Very cool. Very cool. How about that? Yep. So Keith Pollard, when he started out, he was doing issues of Master of Kung Fu, Deadly Hands of Kung Fu. Are those two different things? I, that's a good question. <laughs> I never thought about that till now. I just, I'm just looking at it in a list. That sounds like two different. All right. Uh, Astonishing Tales and Black Goliath. Oh, cool. Wait, we did an issue of Black Goliath. He didn't draw the issue of Black Goliath we did, right? I don't think so. Oh, just so you know, Deadly Hands of Kung Fu is a magazine. Oh, okay. I was going to say there's commas there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, uh, well, yeah, I can't remember who did the Black Goliath issue we did, but I know it wasn't Keith Pollard, or we've already talked about him. I want right. to be doing this right now. Right. So, yeah, it wasn't Keith Pollard. Uh, he was also the regular penciler of The Amazing Spider-Man from issue 186 in November of 1978 through issue 205 in uh, June of 1980. Pretty cool. Yep. Yeah, it's, it gets even cooler here in a minute. Uh-huh. But he has to be the first uh, African-American artist to draw Spider-Man, right? Yeah. At least w- Amazing Spider-Man. I would say yes, definitely. Yeah. And uh, during that run, he and Marv Wolfman created the Black Cat. Very cool. See, I didn't know that. Wow. For a time, But get this, Michael. For a time in 1979, he was the regular penciler on Amazing Spider-Man, Fantastic Four, and Thor. I knew that. That's crazy. I know, that's insane. Yeah, like I think only Jack Kirby could match that record, right? Like if you just, if you're a regular penciler on just one of those books, that's spectacular. Mm-hmm. To do, uh, even if you're on all three at some point in your career, that's uh, unbelievable. Right. All three in the same time? 
Right. <laughs> That's nuts. Yep. Uh, during that run with Thor, he did about 33 issues. And then on his first run on Fantastic Four, he did 13 issues. And uh, then his second run included 16 issues from 310 to 328. And that's what we're reading here today. Awesome. Uh, and then in uh, 1989-90, he did 11 of the first 14 issues of Nick Fury, Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. And 1990, he also did a Silver Surfer graphic novel with Stan Lee. Mmm, okay. It's a nice little credit to have. Yep. I think it was called The Enslavers. I think I've read that. Yeah, good stuff. Uh, he was also at DC for a brief time in the early 1980s, and he and his buddy Marv Wolfman, uh, they launched the Vigilante series. Ah, uh, very cool. Vigilante, who's now featured in the show Peacemaker. Really? Because I have no idea. What's yeah. the deal with this Vigilante? I never heard of Well, he's, uh, I would argue he's kind of like DC's version of the Punisher, Oh, okay. but he's dressed like someone who wants to go mountain skiing, you know, like... He doesn't look very intimidating. He just looks like a guy in like, yeah, like a, like a track suit. It's all black, but he has like goggles and not very intimidating, like I said. Well, I was going to make fun of DC for ripping off the Punisher, but as we learned on this show, Marvel ripped off the Punisher, but they just blatantly exactly. stole it. Jerry Conway just blatantly stole it. Yep. So uh, anyway, uh, Keith Pollard left comics in the 1990s when Marvel was struggling financially to uh, start working in computers. Really? See, I didn't know that. Yeah. Wow. But he still, uh, and, uh, you said you met him, I guess, at conventions, right? Because he, he, he still goes to conventions and he still likes talking about comics and whatnot. But uh, yes. I, I think he went back and he's, he's, he did later stuff in comics. But for that time in the 90s, he left. You know? Yeah, I definitely haven't seen any, him do anything lately. But yeah, yeah, he's, yeah. Uh, he's always at conventions in Michigan. He's super nice. Arvell Jones is really talkative. So we've interviewed him once. And yeah, he's really chatty. They're both great guys. Wow, how about that? Hello, Michael. He's chatty. Yeah, and uh, you you know him. Maybe book him on the show. Maybe, yeah. I mean, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> probably got in a Facebook fight with him at yeah. some point. No, He's never, never, never. The, All right. The latest one it was um, Fabian Nazieza. Did I tell you I blocked him? <laughs> <laughs> we got into All right. Yeah, I know that guy. Uh, like when I was getting out of comics in the early nineties, yeah. um, he was doing, wasn't he doing Deadpool and like, uh, yeah. X-Force and yeah, stuff? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. He's running X-Men for like five years. Well, anyway, we got into an argument because he said that Boba Fett didn't have any personality. And so <laughs> 10 comments later, uh, I had to mute him. I had, I didn't block him. I muted him just because it was getting ugly. So I thought, you know what? It's best just to leave it well enough alone and just mute him. Yeah. We need to have like an update every week of your yeah. ongoing Facebook feuds. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> a little bit embarrassing. That's okay. He'll never he'll never listen to this. You sure? Well, I think we're pretty popular, right? I mean, we're on all. It is possible. We have literally tens and tens of listeners. Tens, sure yes, tens. Yeah. <laughs> you'll check in. All right. Well, let's get to this yeah. stupid book that we're this doing. Awesome book uh, that made me buy ten thousand. This is. <laughs> What's the, what's that expression? Is it Cleopatra? Is it she the woman that launched yeah. a thousand boats or something? Yeah. The Hel Helen of Troy. Helen of Troy launched a thousand boats. This comic launched a thousand comic book purchases. Okay. Let's, yeah. Let's let's talk about this. Look at this cover. Yeah, it's pretty good. Ron yeah. Friends and Joe Sinnott. So now getting now the reason I probably bought this initially is because it featured X Factor, and at the time I was buying X Factor. So we see at the top here, World's Greatest Comic Magazine, Fantastic Four, the classic logo, the corner box is Ms. Marvel, the thing in their new forms, Human Torch and Crystal. Then we see at the top under the logo featuring Doctor Doom, 
we see a bunch of guys flying on these like sky cycle things towards our heroes. And down at the on the left, it says Fall of the Mutants tie-in, which everyone remembers because it was really popular. And uh, we see the Thing and the Human Torch teamed up with X Factor, Cyclops, Iceman, and Beast, and and sorry, Marvel Girl as well. And uh, Doctor Doom is with them, and Doctor Doom is shooting the guys on the Sky Cycles. And then down at the bottom, it says also in this issue, the Uncanny X Factor. <clears throat> Yeah, this uh, Fall of the Mutants, uh, where are we at here in uh, X-Factor? Because the Mutant Massacre is like X-Factor 10 and something, 11, 12. So Fall of the Mutants was like the following year? or is that This is like, later? yeah, a year. This is like, yeah, around number 25. 24, because 25. Because no, notice that there's no Angel here. Yes, so this was probably, oh, and they have the new costume. So this was right after Angel became Archangel and like... He tried to kill them, then he became good again. So yeah, he's not in the team. This may have been actually when he was... They didn't know he was Archangel yet. Because it followed well, the mutants. I think, that, doesn't he reveal himself at the end of Fall of the Mutants? Well, no, because, it doesn't matter. Yeah, no, because he got the new... They got the new costumes at the end of that story. So this is definitely after oh, they... okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and for the new costumes, they're each uh, their own like color, but there's a uh, big X exactly. on their chest. I love Cyclops these is costumes. blue. Yep. Beast is like... What, brown and yellow? Brown and yellow. Yeah, Cyclops is blue and white. Marvel Girl is red and yellow. And then Iceman's yeah. nothing. Well, this is also where Iceman was wearing that championship belt. Yes. He was the Intercontinental Champion yeah. for a while. There you go. <clears throat> that, that controlled his powers, right? Might yeah, it reduced his... them. I think he was power, his powers were boosted by Loki or something, and he had to wear this belt for a while. Is that what it was, or was... I was thinking, yeah, I don't, you probably know more than me, but I was thinking maybe it was that Scrambler guy from the... Um, did he fuck up his power somehow one time? But I uh, probably not. I don't think so. No. Yeah. All right. I'll go with you and Loki. Um. All right. Uh. What else? I don't like this cover. Really? Um, I just think it's pretty. Uh, listen, this book has Doctor Doom in it. Yeah. And at some point in the book, they're actually you know getting into it with Doctor Doom. So why not base the whole cover uh, on them getting into it with Doctor Doom? That would make an awesome cover. Because here you have all, all your heroes there on the ground shooting up at these dorks on little cycles. They look terrible. They look like idiots. And like, oh, I'm supposed to be scared of those guys? No, I'm not. And uh, there's a lot of a negative space here at the white sky. And uh, yeah, not a fan of this. Uh, I guess you could argue they could have picked a better image, but I think what's here is fine. Uh, yeah, but this what's here shouldn't be here. Oh, okay. You know Start from the, okay. yeah, pick from the top then. But anyway, uh, so there you go. There's the cover. And then we open up. Oh, by the way, Michael, I also want to mention, because you got the Fantastic Four, the big uh, title. But above it, they, it always says, The World's Greatest Comic Magazine. Yeah, I said that. Oh, you did? Yeah. I, I really got to start listening to the show. <laughs> no one else does. Anyway. <laughs> but, but, that, but that's pretty cool, though. Because that's, uh, they, how long did that stay there? Is that still there today? Mm, they probably got rid of it. But I think it was there for oh. the whole first run. Three, three or four hundred issues. Yep, for sure. Pretty good. All right, so then we get the big, uh, open up the book here, and we get a big uh, splash page. Mm-hmm. Oh, I also want to point out, Michael, that, well, maybe I'll talk about it later if I remember. But remind me to talk about the lettering. Sure, by <laughs> John Workman, yes. Very <laughs> divisive, I guess. But anyway. <laughs> yes. <clears throat> so, yeah, we start out with the Thing and Ms. Marvel are reuniting with Johnny Storm and Crystal. And they have not... <laughs> 
they have not seen the new thing and the new Ms. Marvel yet, right? So they're trying to explain exactly what happened. And Ms. Marvel, I can tell you because I've read these issues, Ms. Marvel, uh, she has some serious issues with herself and serious issues with men. She, as far as I remember, she refuses to be touched by a man or even well, helped, helped by a man. Because, Mike, yo, what I learned was uh, when I was reading about her research, uh, every female superhero, she was raped. Oh, uh, really? <laughs> I didn't point. know that. Yep. Okay. Yeah. In their backstory, apparently. Yep. Yeah. So, uh, so, and you can see here that she's kind of um, hysterical. Like, she's like, Ms. Marvel is the new freak on the block, and she's already crazy. Ha, ha, ha. So Crystal's trying to comfort her, but she's getting all upset. And then um, she's like, I'm cursed. My life's doomed to get worse and worse. And the thing is like, that's what I've been thinking about my, about my life. But I'm the boss. I can't say that. Right? So we got some melodrama here. But it's good stuff. I like it. Uh, we should mention they're at the uh, Wakandan Palace of yes. the legendary Black Panther. So there's another strike against the cover, Michael. Black Panther's in this book and he's not on the cover. Yeah, but he was on the last issue, I think. So they can't have on every issue, right? Well, if he's in the book, put him on the freaking cover. Yeah, I'd would. buy the book if I saw okay. Black Panther on it. Okay. You know? So anyway, so then, yeah, so they... They're like, oh, yeah, where's T'Challa anyway, Ben? In the next room, kid. But I ain't had a chance to tell you. So he brings them into the next room, and we see Dr. Doom sitting having a drink with the Black Panther with his mask off, right? Yeah, they're having, uh, they're doing some brandy. They got yep. their legs crossed like gentlemen. Yep. And uh, they're having a little discussion. Has monarchs. Right, because Dr. Doom is trying to convince the Black Panther to help him take Latveria back, right? Yeah, so uh, his uh, country, his homeland of Latveria, is that how you say it? Latveria? I, I always used to say Latvia, but it's Latveria. Latveria. Uh, there was a uh, someone usurped his throne. It, I, I guess a young Dr. Doom, it looked like. Yeah, um, uh, it's one of those bullshit, like, I think it's Dr. Doom's son or clone named Kristoff or some boy, and he thinks he's Dr. Doom or something. Yeah, because he's got, like, we see him a little bit later here in the book. He's got, like, a Doctor Doom outfit, but he doesn't have a hood. Um, but he, he still has, like, a metal body and a mask and everything, but no hood. Yeah, yeah. Right. So that's that's what John Burns up to. And Black Panther is seriously considering it, right? Which kind of shocks the FF, right? Because he's okay. like, horse feathers, right? Because they can't yeah. believe he's Yeah, Johnny even... Storm says, horse feathers. Right. And while we're here, let's talk about the lettering. Because I think this panel, sure. you can see it per perfectly. Uh, horse feathers is all in bold. All right, that's fine. It's horse feathers. But then, uh, eh, like this fella, what'd you say his name was? The letter? I don't know, whatever. John Workman. But he, he bolds like every third word. He, he's bolding it. Kristoff's no better. He's the same. In fact, because uh, he thinks he's doom. But putting the real one back won't help anybody. <laughs> it's like, come on, you calm down, you know, with the bolding. Yeah. Just, well, it's, and a, he, it's okay to do it once or twice an issue, maybe, but mm -hmm. fucking five times in a, in a balloon? Good Lord. Well, he also, I think he did it for a while, and um, when he did it with, what's it called, um, Walt Simonson, it got even worse, I think. I just didn't like his lettering when he was with Walt Simonson. And, and again, really, this isn't his fault. It's the editor's fault. Why isn't the editor saying, knock that shit off? Well, maybe the editor likes it, right? <sighs> Poor decision. Poor decision. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. <laughs> That's the most we've talked about lettering ever. Yeah, true. 
No Ben Where's Oda. Ben Oda yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, back to the story. Okay. So then, uh, so Doctor Doom wants to um, tag along with the FF right back to America. And Black Panther's like, it's not for you to invite yourself, Doctor. Your former rank entitles you to the courtesy. So does my current rank. So basically, he, but he does end up letting him come with them. Because Doctor Doom ends up being really polite, right? I just, you know, uh, it's one of my destinations. So may I accompany you? Yeah, sure, you can go with us, right? Yeah, he's just hitchhiking. Right. Yeah, so then, uh, by the way, I do really like the art. We'll talk about that later. So then anyway, so then we see um, the Black Panther ship leaving um, Wakanda and flying around. We see like a shot from space flying. um, And we see that they're tracked by a satellite that's being viewed by um, someone in Latveria who reports the information back to Kristoff, right? And this is where we see the Kristoff Doctor Doom, who looks like, like you said, looks like Doctor Doom, but a little bit different. He doesn't have a hood. Yeah. Right, no cape, no cape. So then we cut over to, um, <laughs> uh, this is New York, the Wakanda Embassy in New York, in Manhattan, yeah. right? And There's the- a big parade going on, Michael. Yeah. This, this is ridiculous, right? Why? Like, there's, a, there's a parade for X Factor. Isn't that cool? Now, again, I, I'm a little sketchy on where this falls into the timeline and all, but I don't remember X Factor being like, like when they started out, because the gimmick for X Factor was they worked for the government. Uh, right? well, I think they pretended to. They pretend. Well, no, I think they actually did, but they were uh, pretending to be hunting down mutants for the government. Yes, but in actuality, they were taking them and training them and taking care of them and stuff. Yes, but I think at this point, since they got their new outfits and everything, I, they had I, weren't they just hated as mutants? Well, no, what it is is because they saved New York from Apocalypse and his four horsemen. I know they said that, but it yeah. seems like completely ridiculous that ah. X Factor would be like, all right, let's get in a parade. Come on, Cyclops, nah. Jean Grey. They'll sit in the back of a car and wave to the crowd. It just seems absurd. I think it makes perfect sense. <laughs> all right. All right. Yeah. And plus, I was reading X Factor at the time, so this was exciting to see this, you know? <laughs> you and, wanted to throw him a parade? Yeah. So you're all right with it. Yep. Just seems like out of character for Cyclops to sit in the back of a car waving at the crowd. Mm. Hey, everybody. Thanks. Okay. What did you say? All right. So then they land on the Wakandan, uh, the roof of the embassy, right? Yep. And then uh, they're chatting it up. And then, um, oh, and then basically, uh, oh, yeah. So then the Fantastic Four finds out what happened about X-Factor, right? Because they didn't know what was going on. And, uh... And then basically, oh, I've read this 20 times. I don't remember what happens next. Oh, yeah. So then they end up joining. <laughs> oh, they end up but watching I, the uh, the parade. Yeah, they want to watch the parade because Crystal says, hey, Miss Marvel, I know you just got mm-hmm. turned into a rock monster, but this parade will cheer you up. Come on. Yeah. And uh, but things, uh, something people forget about the X Factor is they all started because of the Fantastic Four, basically, because remember, mm-hmm. they found the Jean Grey's cocoon down under the water. Right. And uh, they brought up the cocoon. And so that led to X Factor starting. Because Johnny Storm says in his thought bubbles, he goes, "Yeah, but but some of us know X Factor is the original X Men." Yes, he says that quietly to himself. Right. He's, uh, so th- that was for new readers like me who was just getting into comics, right? Th- that's another thing here, Mike. Because you get a little asterisk there since FF two eighty six and X Factor number one. Yeah. And uh, but there's a ton of those in this book. 
Probably too much, yeah. I personally yeah, don't like many. them, but I mean, EndNotes would have been better, right? Well, I don't mind one or two, uh, mm-hmm. one preferably per issue <laughs> to really yeah. explain something that could be confusing. But there's at least probably, well, I don't know, I didn't count them, but it's got to be four or five of them. Anyway. Mm-hmm. It's a little much. You could say that. So, so yeah, basically, so again, this ties in right to the end of, I think it's FF or, or X Factor 26. So we see the start of the parade. Now this is continuing the parade and everything looks normal, just like the end of the issue. But then all of a sudden they get attacked, right? By stormtroopers, not the stormtroopers from Star Wars. These are different stormtroopers, right? Yeah. Dorks on air bikes. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Did you make that up yourself? <laughs> My God, you tell me these guys are intimidating. They don't look great. They look okay, no. but not great. So, yeah. So then they're getting, they're shooting lasers at the FF and Black Panther and X-Factor. So then they all team up together to fight back against them, right? And yeah. uh, basically, the um, they're there to attack Dr. Doom. They're like, yeah. you know. Because they, they're sent there by Kristoff. Right. They're calling they're him the imposter, the most dangerous man alive. He must be returned to Latveria. And we got some really cool little fight scenes here with uh, everyone teaming up together, Cyclops shooting people, the thing hitting people. But, but, but notice, Michael, Dr. Doom is shooting the laser beams out of his hand, you know? Yeah. Keep a metal note of that for later. Okay, right? okay. And we notice that the Beast and the, the She-Thing are not joining the battle. The Beast is not joining because every time he uses his strength, he becomes dumber. And She-Thing is not joining because... Why is she not joining? Oh, she's just a monster. Okay, she doesn't want to join. Yeah, she's just sad. Right, so then Thing... Yeah, yeah, so the Beast, uh, when X-Factor started out again, uh, he originally had his blue fur, but then that guy took the blue fur off him, reverted him to human, but it also made it so every time he used his strength, he got dumber. Right. Right, Right. yep. So so they told him, hey, don't use your strength there, Hank McCoy. You're going to get really freaking dumb. So, all right, I can't fight. So uh, mm-hmm. he's running and hiding. Right, right. So then, uh, so yeah, the fight continues. Ms. Marvel's into it. Iceman's into it. Crystal's into it, right? We've got some really good art here. They basically defeat these guys on Sea-Doo's or whatever you want to call them, right? And uh, again, I just read this last night. And then basically, don't remember what happened. And then basically, <laughs> um, so they reconvene. And then Dr. Doom is like, you know, I want to speak to X-Factor about the future. Whatever you think of me, I am the rightful monarch of a sovereign land. And you've seen the madness which grips the child who usurped me. I need allies to reclaim my birthright. And Cyclops is like, uh, save your breath, Doom. Teaming up with you is the last thing we consider. And Dr. Doom is all offended. You dare, right? So then he shoots a laser something out of his hand. And he envelops the chi thing and the beast in like a Kirby Crackle energy thing, right? Well, that would be cool if it was just the Kirby Crackle pink energy thing. But he also, uh, they, they depict it as like a fist and yellow energy grabbing them as well. Yeah. And that was pretty stupid. I don't like that. You don't like that? How come? No. That's just silly. But uh, when he <laughs> grabs them with that stuff, uh, Crystal says, I thought stripped of all weaponry, but his armor, he was defanged. But they, they, he was fighting those guys earlier, shooting his laser beams out of his hands. Okay, okay, true. Yeah, I don't know. This, yeah, this book's a mess. Right, <laughs> so anyway, um, so then he yeah, so then he, he he's like, well, I'm taking Thing and Chris and Crystal and yep. or, or um the Beast, and then he says, yep. you have one hour to avenge my honor, right? So then he smashes through the ground and then smashes through the layer below that, 
and just takes off. But then, I mean, they just follow him, right? Because there's a big hole. They see exactly yeah. where he went. So then they... But again, he has the one... He's using one hand to keep them uh, tied up in the energy. Mm. But then he sh- uses both hands to shoot a hole in the ground. So would they be freed from that energy thing he was holding them with? Mm. Um, so, I... Uh, I think you're thinking about it too much. But anyway. <laughs> I suppose. So then, uh, so then he, so then, yeah, so the, the whole group of superheroes, they all descend into like the sewers and we see that there's like this, uh, you know, well, basically, yeah, the sewers, there's nothing there yet. But then we, uh, sorry, we follow Dr. Doom to a secret hideout or a secret entrance to something. We don't know what it is yet. He goes into this hidden elevator and he ends up inside the FF headquarters and we see he somehow engineered his own little uh, secret passage into FF headquarters. Right. And um, we see all this like Kirby technology. It's really cool. I like it. Kind of lazy on the coloring there. Everything's blue. Uh, the inking, uh, I like the, the inking is distinctive in this panel. Like someone else almost inked it. Like well, a very thick line. It's all Joe Sinnott, so I think it's all s- consistent. But I, it seems like, yeah, I suppose. <laughs> it, looks like, it looks like that panel is very heavily inked. Different? But, oh, maybe. The lines on the machinery and everything. Yeah. All right. Uh, so then, uh, so then, yeah. So then he's like, um, he's like, oh yeah. So he's secretly been um, putting like devices into the FF headquarters, right? He's like, I caused a whole range of devices to be secreted in these walls. I monitored everything here until my overthrow, right? And then that was, so that was a subplot. Oh, I got to tell you one thing about Steve Englehart, Mike Dell. Steve Englehart likes to lay down the plot, the subplots, okay? He likes to plant things ahead of time. He's good at that. Oh, that's, that's good writing, yeah. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Jerry Conway does the same thing. But anyway. So then he locks up the thing and the beast, or Ms. Marvel, sorry, and the beast inside a green energon cube. <laughs> kind of like a prison, right? And then basically, she thing is all down and out. She's like crying. And the Beast is trying to convince her to help them break out. And he's like, well, I can't because if I use my strength, I'll just become stupider. So he's like, do something. Right? And he's like, all right. She she says, I can't do anything. I'm a monster or something. Right. So then he's like, all right, well, you know what? Iceman said the smart thing to do for me was do nothing. But what's smart for the world is if I do something. No, wait, you made your point. I'll do something. So then she smashes through the energy, energon cube. And then she's like, I'll do something, something only a monster can do. But then just at that same time, something, uh, what's his name? Dr. Doom turns around and he's like, hey, someone else is using my hidden elevator. We'll cut back to that later. So then they smash out of the uh, energon cube. But then Dr. Doom shoots the thing with like a, another, with his lasers, right? Well, she, uh, Ms. Marvel, she thing. Yeah, she thing with his lasers. But then Beast jumps and then he's just about to attack, but then he gets shot. So now Doctor Doom uh, is fighting back, and and Beast is like uh, attacking, and you can see that he's like drooling at the mouth. So we assume he's getting stupider. But then just at that moment, the Fantastic Four and X Factor come through the elevator, right? And then the fight begins anew. Well, Beast is going nuts. Yeah, yeah. And, like he's basically the Incredible Hulk at this point, and he's just smashing everything in the lab. And Doctor Doom's even like scared. He's like, right. he's gone mad. Right. So when everyone else runs in, their first priority is trying to calm down the beast. Right. He's, uh, flipping out. Right. So uh, th- this is, re- at some, at this uh, final stage of the book, Michael, I, I kind of think that uh, 
they did this the Marvel way where uh, Pollard did the art and then um, Engelhart put in the dialogue because be. the dialogue doesn't really match the art. I don't know. It just seems weird. Could be. Could be. Yeah. Because um, Cyclops tells a thing, or Thing calls to Ms. Marvel. He's like, stop him, uh, double M. And Cyclops says, she's not moving, Thing. And he says, I know. And then he jumps and tackles the beast. And then he puts the beast up like in a bear hug and ties him up to calm him down. And uh, then uh, they try to shoot Dr. Doom and his uh, and his uh, armor stopping Cyclops. And then they have a little chat. And uh, Black Panther says, hey, we'll let you leave here. But that's it. We're mm-hmm. done helping you. Yeah, you right. Know? Is that basically the deal? They just yeah. Say, hey. yeah. All right, you're done. Um, but what I wanted to get to here is this last page. Sure. Like, look at the art here. Like, Ms. Marvel is still very, very sad. Yes. And then, then the last panel, she still looks very sad. But uh, they make it seem like she's happy now that she learned her lesson, and now she's going to be proud to be part of the Fantastic Four. And she's, like, screaming it. Well, she could... I mean, we can see the lines coming out, so it kind of looks happy, but you'd think they changed the expression on her face, I guess? Is that what you mean? It almost looks like it was a dramatic thing of her saying, I'm, I want to die, mm-hmm. or something. But she's like, yes. Let's go, Fantastic Four. It just seems very uh, strange. I I don't know. It doesn't match up. But. You could say that. You could say that. But that's the end. Yeah, that's how it ends. Yep. She's just saying she learned her lesson. Now she was, she's part of the Fantastic Four. Yay! But again, it looks like she's crying the whole time and screaming. Um, but uh, yeah, I didn't like this at all, Michael. I don't know if you could tell. And I thought this, this was a fucking trainer. I, I went out and bought Every single Fantastic <laughs> Four by Steve Englehart, every Captain America, every Avengers, every Avengers West Coast, every Green Lantern, every... Is that everything? What and else? then years later, when you started reading them, what, what, did you, what, what did you think? To be fair, to be fair, I read some of them years ago, but then I filled in the gaps before I reread them, and uh, I've got mixed feelings. I'll leave it at yeah. that. Mixed feelings, okay? This is, uh, you mentioned you like the art. Yeah, the art here is fine. It's like uh, completely solid professional comic book art. Yeah, it's, it's really good. Like if I was, uh, it's not something I'd say, oh, I got to buy everything Keith Bother drew because of this issue. But no, it's not that. But it's it's good. You know, it's fine. Well, here's the I, thing. Yeah. If I drew this book, I'd be proud of drawing this right. book. I'd be like, yeah, I drew that. Like when I was, whatever, 12 or 13, I, I obviously knew Kirby. I knew John Buscema, but not well. So when I read this, I, I, I didn't know the difference. So I was like, oh my God, this art is incredible. As I got older, I realized he's kind of just aping John Buscema, right? And like Kirby. So yeah, from what I read about his background and stuff, and there, uh, I read a couple things about him, and it seems like he he grew up uh, focusing more on storytelling, right? And so that saw, but his stuff wasn't dynamic. And they said when Marvel hired him and Arvel Jones, like Arvel uh, Arvel had the more dynamic action scenes and stuff, but he was a little weak on storytelling, and um, Pollard was good storytelling, a little weak on the dynamic stuff. Okay, so they kind of complemented each other. Um, but so I think you can kind of see that where the storytelling is great, but, uh, you'll get some good dynamic action shots, but it's not like super duper awesome Marvel stuff. You know what yeah. I mean? It's kind of like, I know that John Buscema is better, but I would rather see this art on Fantastic Four than almost anyone else. Just because at least it looks like that classic FF style, you know? Yeah. It's really solid. Nothing to be right. uh, mad about. So. Right. Right. Now the writing. That's where, uh, uh, that's where I had some issues. Here's the thing: <laughs> is I think that this is my 
new consensus, I guess you could say, or whatever, conclusion, is that I think uh, Stephen Clark definitely puts a lot of effort into everything he does. So A for effort. He's good at plotting. He's good at a lot. He's good at, you know, characterization. But sometimes things come off. Let's put it this way. He, he, he is writing a superhero comic meant for kids, but he takes it very seriously. That doesn't mean it's great, but he takes it very seriously, I think. Uh, sh- sure, he should. You know, should <laughs> well, that's what I mean, though. But there's other people like Steve Gerber is a smarter, better writer, but he, he probably thinks the whole genre is a joke. That's the difference. You know what I mean? Whereas Steve Englehart, I think he takes the genre seriously. All right. But uh, I'm really concerned about what's on the page. And uh, how he considers, you know, what I mean, Gerber's a better writer. Than Engelhardt, yeah, he's no? a better writer. Yes, definitely. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I like uh, I like the idea of Doom asking for help uh, from getting his country back mm-hmm. because technically, you know, he was wrong. So you should try and help him out, even though he's a horrible person. You know, mm-hmm. so there's a nice moral dilemma there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I like that. But I didn't really. I, why was it clear to you? Why Doom was going into the Fantastic Four's basement? You mean, no. You mean, like, where he could have gone anywhere? Like, he, he blew the hole in the street because he, suppo- he wanted to get to Fantastic Four's basement. Right. But then, like you said, there's just a hole there, and they could just follow him. Easily so like, follow him, yeah. <laughs> that was really dumb. That made no sense, um, yeah. But, like, there had to be a reason. I'm guessing it had to be, like, he thought there was some, some technology there that he needed to take over, to fight back against Kristoff. But I don't know if that ever got spelled out for the reader. He did say that he was specifically putting things in there, I think, right? Well, I think uh, he was saying he was monitoring the construction, the renovation. Mm. Like he had uh, like microphones and cameras or whatever. And like so that he could monkey with it to put that little little secret passage in there, I guess. Mm. But yeah, but they never spell out why he thought he wanted to get there exactly. It would have been nice if we had that Uh explanation. Uh Yeah. Um, also, how, it makes the ending was just uh, goofy. Like I said, the art didn't match up to the writing. But also, why isn't Miss Marvel the one that calms down Beast? You know, like they have, they share that little moment in the cube together. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a where, good where point. he's, or he like told her, "Oh, you know what? I learned from you, Beast. I'm no longer going to be a monster. I'm going to be a hero." And then she go, breaks out of the cage. Yet she's still crying afterward, mm-hmm. and she's all upset about it. And then she does nothing to calm down the beast. Uh-huh. Like when they ask her to do something, she still just sits there and starts. Cr- she should be the one who has to step in and calm him down. You know, mm-hmm. not physically, but like you gra- or grab him and like they make eye contact or something, and she calms him down. You know, right? And uh, but yeah, it, I don't know. This wasn't very good. I uh, wouldn't go that far. <laughs> no, I would go even farther. This was terrible. I wouldn't this go was... that far. Definitely not that far. I enjoyed I also it. don't think, like, the X-Factor, their characterizations, I don't think were anywhere near... Accurate? Like, Cyclops. Yes. Like, <laughs> that's what they always the thing, like, when you have one of your favorite heroes in other books, and then that, some other writer writes them, they're always terrible, right? Right. Like, they never... And I just... That was definitely the sense I got from reading this. That right. Englehart has no concept of X-Factor. Yeah, that could be. It could be. I don't think he ever really wrote X-Men, ever. He probably didn't want to have them in this issue, and they said, hey, we're doing a tie-in for Fall of the Mutants. So could be, yeah. There you go. Yeah, you're right. This story could have easily been done without them, that's for sure. Yeah, because really, what do they do here? True, true. Yeah. Well, can you think, I guess, well, Beast, I guess, was important. 
because he helps uh, Ms. Marvel come to the conclusion that she's not a monster. And at the same time, there's no payoff there because she's still crying at the end. That's true. That's <laughs> so, true. <laughs> but, uh, so I don't know. Yeah, this wasn't good. This wasn't so good. can you understand why this launched a thousand comic no! book purchases? That's what I say. When you start telling that story, I was like, what the f- oh, This is, I am shocked at this. I can, I, uh, I, I cannot. Trust me, when I was rereading all these comics recently, I, there was definitely a part of me that was like, what in God's name was I thinking? How have I wasted the last 15 well, years of my life? Just keep that in mind, Michael, because five years from now, you're going to look back at this and like, what the fuck was I doing at flea market fantasy? Yeah. What the hell? That's true. That um, was John Byrne before or after this? Before. Definitely before. Okay. John Byrne was yeah. like 232 to like 292-ish, and Engelhart okay. started in 305-ish. See, I never read any Fantastic Four. Really? I, I read maybe one or two books. What as the book, hell? And that was it. Oh. Um, so I, I'm not the... I read the X-Men Fantastic Four crossover. Remember they had that little miniseries? Of course. Yep, yep. Um, but I was an X-Men fella and uh, not a Fantastic Four guy. Well, I was... So I, I have yeah. no concept of John Byrne's run. But mm-hmm. well, I thought his run was longer than that, though. He was only on for like... That's a long time. That's like... Wait, I thought you said 292 to 305. No, no. 232 to 292. Oh. So okay, that's... that there, that makes a lot of sense there. All right, yeah. yeah that's, <laughs> that's 60 issues. That's huge. Yeah, yeah, that is a long run. That's five years. <gasps> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I misheard you because uh, I'm old. No, but, uh, yeah. And then in between was just kind of like Roger Stern and John Buscema. It was rushed and it was a fill-in, but those were fun. They were okay. You know? Yeah, I usually don't mind Roger Stern when I read Yeah, he's stuff. good, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, not a fan of this. Anything else you'd like to say about this, Michael? Uh, only that I think that, you know, for when I bought this when I was 11 or 12, it was perfect for then. You know, that was the intended audience, and that's why I liked it. As to why I liked it so much when I was, you know, 30, I don't know. But uh, <laughs> now that I'm 45, <laughs> I definitely don't like it as much. I'll say that. Yeah, like, I love Doctor Doom, and I love Black Panther. Yeah. And, you know, I am an X-Factor fella, so uh, for me to not like a book that has all those people in it, <laughs> yeah. it's really hard to do, and I hated this book. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I did like, I did appreciate Keith Pollard's art, but I, I can't go more than a three. I'll give it a this. six, because it's a uh, solid 80s Marvel <laughs> comic. Uh, yep. But it's 88, so it's tail end of 80s Marvel comic. Yeah, still. Because Marvel's going downhill by this point. Well, maybe. Some might say. Steve Englehart might say. There you go. Yep. Uh, Fantastic Four 312. Woo! So right. next week, Mike, we have to get something better. Oh, if you say so. I think our buddy Tuffy is going to be here. With okay. Us. So I, I had to pick something uh, special for Tuffy. Okay. So uh, we're going to go to 1986. Maybe the golden year in comic book, 1986. Yeah. Okay. What do you got? Because this is where it peaked, and then downhill after. Uh, Kickers, Inc. Whoa! Get out of town. We're going to go to the new universe. Kickers, Inc. issue number four. Okay. Nice. Now, I don't know anything about Kickers, Inc., except that, supposedly, it's about a bunch of football players who become private odds. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds good to me. So I looked through the covers, and uh, this cover features a football game. Okay. Like, the story takes place in a football game, 
And I know our buddy Tuffy's a big Chicago Bears fan. Really? Oh my God, here we go. Kicker's name. And Mike, oh, you're a big fan of the uh, Toronto Argonauts. Not even close. Not even close. Not, not a fan of any football team. The Victoria Tiger Cats. Who the who hell are? are they? I don't, I don't know. I think I just made that okay. up. Okay, yeah. <laughs> wow, um, this looks good. All right, so uh, Kicker's Inc., issue four. It's fun. I can't wait. I was. At, I actually had this Kicker's on, you know, on my long list of books to eventually get to. So, The only other new universe book I'm intrigued by is DP7. Yeah, I want to do that one too. I think that's uh, Mark Grenwald, right? Is that basically considered the best of the books, DP7? I, yeah, it's also the most consistent because I think Mark Grenwald did like all 30 issues or whatever. So. Yeah, so anyway, good choice. good choice. Well, there's only 12 issues of Kicker's Inc. It's one of the ones that only lasted a year. Maybe we should do the whole series. Yeah, mm-hmm. and do a podcast. Like yeah, that. there you go. Kicker's Quinology. <laughs> All right. Yes. There you go. So that wraps up another episode of Flea Market Fantasy. Every week we read a different Bronze Age comic. One week I pick, one week Mike Dell picks. You can follow us on Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, as well as... Uh, Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, and the Comic Book Syndicate website, all under Comic Book Syndicate, but you can also search for Flea Market Fantasy. So, until next Tuesday, disperse! Now that cities are opening back up, there's a lot to look forward to. Good thing Amtrak has convenient downtown-to-downtown service with spacious, comfortable seats that take you and your loved ones to enjoy things like live sports, concerts, museums, plays, weddings, hair salons. Let me say that again. Hair salons. Small talk with strangers, going back to the office, that can wait. Ah, the city life. Just an Amtrak away. Find your route on the Amtrak app or on Amtrak.com. Next time someone needs to send you money, Tell them to use Zelle. With Zelle, the money goes straight into your bank account, and it typically only takes minutes between enrolled users. And even if the sender uses a different U.S. bank, it still works. Plus, Zelle is already in over 1,600 banking apps, so you probably won't have to download another one. By the way, make sure the sender has your correct U.S. mobile number or email address so the money goes to the right place. Look for Zelle in your banking app today.